Science begins with a question. We might wonder, why is the sky blue? Is water wet? But what do we do from there? How do we take a simple curiosity and create an entire project from it? Well, a great place to start is by following the scientific method, a process that researchers use to investigate a research question and make conclusions. Learning about this process might help us in many ways, from following research to maybe one day doing research ourselves. So let's talk about this scientific method. Are there still some weaknesses of this approach? What can researchers do better to create more reliable findings? All of these questions and more in today's discussion on the sidelines. Joining us on the sidelines today to talk about the scientific method is Garrick Patterson, a PhD candidate in nuclear engineering and a Science for Everyone researcher. Thanks for joining us, Garrick. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, if I have a question, if I want to learn something about the world, or more importantly, if I want to go through the scientific process and really prove or defend that something is true, what does that process look like? What's each step, and why is it important to do every single one of them? Yeah, uh, thanks for the question. The, it's, a, it's a long series of steps, but it really starts with sort of observing something in general, which I think uh, a lot of people just know how to do in their day-to-day. -day. They sort of have questions pop up. Um, and then after you, after you observe something, you sort of go out, in the, go out in the world and sort of research about it and say, hey, has anyone else noticed this thing? What can I gather about this thing? Like, say, an apple fell from a tree, the classic example. Right. Like, has anybody else noticed things dropping from trees? And then after you've sort of searched and, and gained some knowledge in that aspect, you, you want to form sort of a guess or, or what you think is going on um, based on what you know um, after you've formulated that question, which is, is called the hypothesis. And after, after you form this hypothesis, you want to you build up a test that you can, you can use to sort of see if your prediction of why these apples are falling from trees why it's happening. And, and out of that, you get information, which you have to document and analyze. And then the ultimate be-all, end-all step, you have to present that information and, and interpret what that means for the outcome of your hypothesis. Was it correct? Was it not correct? What other questions does it pop up into your brain? And then you revisit sort of a new observation and start the process all over again. Right. That sounds like a very good way to approach all this kind of stuff. But the bigger question I have in mind is, how do I even do this? Because you asked, you said before you need to create a hypothesis. What's the difference between just making a complete guess and making a scientific hypothesis? How do I even approach uh, this question in the first place? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things that even in my early education was often overlooked is... Uh, the researching phase is, is crucial. I think if you're just going to make a, a guess out of nowhere based on absolutely no information, I mean, you can't really prove much from that because you can be as vague as possible because you don't really understand what you, what you mean yet. And so the, the research phase really is, is sort of the groundwork of making that good hypothesis and making sure that you're on a firm ground to not only make a guess, but, you know, make an educated guess or a more informed guess right. about what is actually happening. 
Okay, so it sounds like you need to do a little bit of research before you even get started on answering your question through testing and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. It's, okay. It makes sure that you're not wasting all your time um, doing all of these steps and realizing, oh, wait a minute, I don't, I don't really understand what's going on. Right, or maybe even someone has already done the exact thing and maybe you can just answer the question by searching it up. And even build on that and then answer more uh, questions that arise from their research. So True, right. Sort of, yeah. Sounds like a never-ending process, but yeah. that's science. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So would you say it's a bad thing if I made a hypothesis and I'm completely wrong? Like, is this bad for science? Does that mean you did a bad job? Does that mean you asked the wrong question? I don't think there is really a wrong question if you've done your research. I think having a wrong hypothesis is actually somewhat of an indicator that you're in a in a cycle, really, of trying to figure that out. So I, I would say, you know, if you have a wrong hypothesis and you get down to the conclusions, what do you draw from that? How do you go back and refine that hypothesis to update it with the new information you have? Um, so I think being wrong, it's it's really what you do about it in the end. If you reiterate, come back and refine, make it better and ask more deep questions. So what do you think makes good science? I know you've been on some of our episodes <laughs> of our bad science series. Uh, so when you follow the scientific method, why do we do it in the first place? What kinds of things does quote unquote good research need? And why does following the scientific method really push you towards having good science as opposed to again, bad science? Right. So I guess I'll answer the, the back <laughs> half first. Uh, having the scientific method provides sort of a schematic, so to speak, of how to be objective about collecting information and answering questions. Because in the bad science, so this is where that comes in, usually they either form their conclusions before they have a hypothesis, in which case you're just going through the motions and proving yourself right rather than answering a question. So in a sense, it's sort of like um, coming up with a question to your answer instead mm -hmm. of an answer to your question. Right. And so in in that way, they tend to manipulate the the stuff in between to get to the conclusion they want and sort of back propagate it to a question. And in that there's a lot of exaggeration or leaving out certain aspects of what they found to make their conclusion more profound or to be correct and therefore they don't have to iterate or reckon with the fact that they might have been wrong and have to readdress it and go through all these steps all over again so the world of academia is pretty complicated and you know when every time i try to open up a research paper it's very complicated very hard to follow but there are clear sections at least so could you talk about some of those sections or processes in the scientific method and why each step is really important to have? Like, what if you're missing, like, the conclusion? What if you're missing the discussion? What if you're missing the results? Like, why is it so important that we have each of these sections? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, in particular, in academic literature, the tracking of each different stage and 
more so I, I can see in, in the literature that they are lacking some conclusion sections, but um, in order to reproduce these results or to make sure that what they did is actually correct, the discussion of the results is of the utmost importance. They can leave things out that are certainly questionable or lead down a certain path. And whereas if you don't have, you know, the introduction portion, which is sort of your research section of why this research is important and what research has been done in this field before, you can't really understand what's going on and why you're even doing something in the first place. And ultimately, presenting these conclusions is sort of how you get uh, it's sort of an a, a, a scientific method applied with more than one scientist, so to speak. So you put millions of brains together to objectively agree on a fact rather than maybe have some subjectivity bleed through by doing it yourself. Sounds like the scientific method is pretty foolproof, pretty solid as a strategy or an approach. But we live in an imperfect world, right? Uh, the yeah. people have different kinds of incentives. People have different kinds of things they want to accomplish. Maybe prestige, maybe pride. So this is an interesting one. Do you think maybe there's an issue with the scientific method, or more importantly, do you think there's an issue of people not following the scientific method as they should? Right. So ultimately, I want to believe it would be with the method, but I I don't think so. Uh, when when you're applying guidelines that are just objective steps it's it's hard to fault the steps whereas when you have a human who really wants to be correct or really wants to prove something or really really thinks strongly that their hypothesis is correct they can say they're doing all these other steps but they're not doing them in full detail. So they're misapplying the the steps in between from hypothesis to conclusion. They sort of do it just because they have to, and then they mix up the data a little bit. Therefore, they're still following the steps technically, and then you get out what you already wanted to know, which is you're correct. So some people force their results to be true. Like even some would even go as far as like, Faking the data, would you say? I I would say so. Like in in some instances, just fiddling around with numbers or making entries that are your educated guesses, and putting that through and making everything look very very nice. Thanks, Garrick, for sharing your insights today. Definitely learned a lot about the world of science, the world of the scientific method. Really appreciate it. Yeah, happy to happy to uh, shed some light on it. Thank you again for tuning in, and remember to subscribe for more conversations and some insightful answers to your questions about the science impacting your world. If you want to learn more about research, science literacy toolkits, or any other topics that we've talked about on the show, visit us on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok at sci everyone and on our website at www.scienceforeveryone.ca. On the Sidelines is a podcast by Science for Everyone. It's produced by Sam Marchetti, Connor McLean, June Kim, and Thineshwari Rajendran. 
on the sidelines is sponsored by the University of Toronto's Student Engagement Grant.